Hello and welcome to the Liverpool Way podcast. The Reds secured qualification for the Europa League knockout stages as group winners with a 4-0 win over Lask at Anfield. In an entertaining game, two from Cody Gakpo, a brilliant header from Diaz and a penalty from Mo were enough to see off a spirited Austrian side who once again gave a decent account of themselves. I'm Chris Smith and I'm delighted to be joined by the European dream team of John Brennan and the editor at liverpoolway.co.uk, Dave Usher. If the other lads think they're forcing their way back onto the pod for the Glamatise, they've got another thing coming. <laughs> Dave, a satisfying night that, after the disappointing loss in Toulouse, the lads look right up for this from the off, and they got the job done with no fuss at all. Yeah, it was a really good game, wasn't it? Yeah, like, I mean, mm-hmm. they had the chances as well. They had a good goal. Uh, I thought we played some lovely stuff. Should have scored more goals, really. There's quite a few situations to make the most of. But, yeah, it's probably the the most entertaining game of the group so far I'd say I enjoyed it it was a good game yep and John plenty to like about tonight although perhaps the way they played through us at times uh, was mildly concerning but what stood out to you yeah that was a big concern in the way they got in behind us but I just want to say first of all I have uh, I was watching on French TV obviously and I knew it was going to be a good night because uh, the channel uh, it was on on uh, French TV was uh, 316. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like a, a 316 Austria, I just hope your last was my... Uh, <laughs> was my lion. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, really, really happy with that tonight. Uh, obviously, as Dave said, uh, four goals, uh, clean sheet, and uh, that makes it 10 out of 10. Uh, at home this season, uh, six in the league, uh, six wins in the league, three in Europe. Obviously, we've beaten Leicester as well in the League Cup. So, yeah, really strong at Anfield, and uh, just going to try to keep that hundred uh, percent uh, record at the weekend, hopefully against Fulham. But um, everything about tonight was uh, perfect. Wasn't it clean? As I said, clean sheet, uh, four goals. You get to rotate. Uh, you get to keep players happy who are on the fringes. Um, the big boys like uh, Virgil, uh, Trent, well, uh, Virgil, Dom, Maka um, getting a complete rest, uh, and then obviously uh, Trent comes on, uh, Curtis comes on, uh, Mo gets uh, an hour and a goal as well, and everybody's just been kept fresh uh, for the weekend, and uh, I think he's. He's using uh, this competition really well to to rotate the squad and keep everybody fresh for you know what's going to be a really busy period coming up. So, uh, perfect night tonight. The other result nice. as well that that's gone perfectly for us. So because yeah. I didn't know until tonight that second in the group means you've got to go on a playoff. Really? Uh, yeah, you don't go straight through. Yeah, it you does. Go yeah. on a playoff with like a Champions League loser team. That's yeah, so, uh, that's what it is, Dave. It's uh, we've so been going if against Manu. We had finished. <laughs> no, they're going to be yeah. bottom, aren't they? <laughs> oh, God, yeah. <laughs> Probably. The thing is, um, if we if we had finished second, we would have had uh, this uh, these playoff games in uh, February. Yeah. But we're guaranteed to be first now, and actually, uh, this means that uh, we can put this competition to bed uh, because the next game is a uh, is a dead uh, dead rubber basically. So uh, we're not back in action in, in Europe until the seventh of March, which nice. is great. It means yeah. we have three whole months just being able to concentrate on the league and obviously depends how we go in the League Cup and the FA Cup. Um, yeah, so that that was really important to finish uh, top of the group. And uh, what it does mean as well is uh, that the game against uh, Saint Gilles, uh, which is 
uh, coming up on the 14th of uh, December. Uh, that's actually on the Thursday night, three days before the United game oh, nice. at Anfield on the uh, Sunday the 17th. So I imagine we'll just... <laughs> Um, you know, rest everyone. Rest as yeah. man. Yeah. Be a rest blinders, everybody. Blinders press conference job. Rest I, up quite. I, I thought you. Yeah. I thought you could say be playing centre midfield. <laughs> That's fine by me. It is, it, yeah. No, I like I said to you in the it last is, one, I don't want like any of the big boys going after playing Kevin McAllister's funhouse ahead of the game against United. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely can't. It, yeah. Is is a uh, is spearing a register for European games? Uh, I don't <laughs> think so. No, I don't think. Yeah, it's a shame because it would have been nice for him to get like one more first team <laughs> game. He's been playing in all those like um, I don't know what it's called, the EFL Trophy or whatever. He's been playing in right. them, and he played in mm-hmm. the uh, the Lancashire Cup the other night. Um, but like he's surrounded by just like kids, like you know, sixteen, <laughs> seventeen year olds. And yeah, blows my mind. He, and they're all bigger than him. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Yeah, but the big the big thing tonight is just uh, winning the group, and uh, we have yeah, nothing to play for in the next game, and uh, we can just concentrate on uh, that United game uh, on the seventeenth of uh, December. So. Yeah, that that's yeah. definitely a game for Connor Bradley to get some minutes. Yeah, Luke uh, Chambers, Ben Vogue, McConnell, yeah. all of them. They should all play along with whoever's not going to start. So I don't mind some senior lads playing. So whoever's yeah. not going to be starting against United, then you know a sprinkling of them in the team. So Harvey probably not going to start. You don't mind like if he's playing. If depending on whether it's Curtis or Gravenberg who's going to be playing against United, the other one can play yeah. in that. Um, but nobody who's playing needs to be involved at all. No one's playing against United needs to be involved in that. It's just not worth the mm-hmm. risk. Yep, yeah, definitely. I wouldn't even and- take them on the plane. There's no point like them traveling <laughs> or anything. Just leave them at home, putting their feet up. Yeah. Definitely. Mind you, I don't think you can do that, can you? Just because you've only got so many players registered. Um, I think it's twenty-five. Yeah, is it? so or you can't like three, maybe. You so. can't leave like they have to travel really. Twelve so. of them, thirteen of them at home, can you? <laughs> I think they have to go and just sit on the bench, even though you're not going to put them on, because yeah. otherwise you're just not going to have a bench, are you? No. At least it's only like Belgium, and it's not like far flung. Yeah. Arse end of yeah. Europe somewhere. We, I think, we got quite lucky with that. With the way that the group was drawn as well, you know, like Austria, France, and Belgium, yeah. compared to some of the places where we could have been going, it's actually yeah. quite worked out quite well for us. So, mm-hmm. that's, um, that's, that's a one great game later. Uh, go ahead, mate. Yes, sorry, just to uh, follow up on that. Uh, you know, Belgium, it's a, it's a probably an hour uh, on a plane, and it's one of those early kickoffs as well. Yeah, uh, we, we kick off at quarter to six English time, so. Even you know they they should be back and and everything by midnight, so that would give give them time to prepare for you know the the United game, and a lot of them won't be playing anyway, so we should be able to really um, prepare that game the whole week. I think uh, the, the the game we have before that uh, United game is uh, Palace on the Saturday, so it gives us you know eight days basically to prepare that United game. So. Mm-hmm. We should be okay. Just a quick point, just to clarify something I said there about 
not wanting anybody who's playing against United to, to play in that match. It's not in any way, shape or form because I feel like the United games, it, it, the results in doubt, it's more because we got seven last year and I want us to be like, <laughs> right at it. <laughs> Everyone right, right at it and let's try and beat that. It's not because I think, oh, if we play a few play- first-teamers in Europe, you know, we might come unstuck against United. No, that's not that's not what I'm saying. <laughs> no, yeah. not at all. You're doing it for like pure spite reasons. That's <laughs> yeah. why. I just, I, I just think they're like, I, every time I watch them, I'm like, these are shit. How are they getting the results that they're getting? Because yeah. they're shit. Dude, even against Everton, they didn't play well. It's like, you know, they, it's a game they could easily have lost. Everton had like more chances than them. They're, they're, yeah. just, they're just shit. And, but it feels just like... Just stop, though. <laughs> like, you're just setting us up for a fall. No, I, I know, I know. But just one quick point on that with, with United. Right. It feels like, as shit as they are, it's only really getting shown in the Champions League. It's like they're getting away with it in the Premier League. Like the you know the performances are, are like shit, but they're somehow getting results because the fifth aren't they something like that? They're only like four points behind yeah. us or something bizarre like that. They're the most informed team in the league. Yeah, they won but, five of the last six, and the only game they lost was against City. But it's the Champions League where you see their true selves, where like the actual results are reflecting yeah. the performances. So it, teams it's, it's, I mean, it's going to catch just, up with them. 14 goals in five games they've conceded in the Champions League this year. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, yeah. And how many yeah. of them are the I goalkeeper's s- fault? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I saw something 12. like oh, the God. Guardian had written, the Guardian had written an article on, oh, finally, uh, Onana is uh, is finding his feet. And somebody yeah. retweeted and said, uh, oh, he just needs to find his fucking hands now then. <laughs> Yeah, they put that article out like the the, the day of of the game, yeah. <laughs> and then he's responsible for three goals. But yeah, can you do that when they play at Anfield as well? <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice, nice. All right, where were we? Well, uh, the, John, actually, there was one start I wanted from you to to kick off the podcast tonight, and because the strikers got all four goals tonight, where are we at on the ratio of games played goals for the front lads? Funny you should ask. <laughs> uh, I so we're up to thirty nine goals uh, from the front five. Obviously, uh, Darwin, uh, Cody, uh, uh, Diazmo, and uh, Diogo in uh, twenty games, which is essentially uh, two a game, which nice. is unbelievable. And as I said, we're probably looking at something like a fifty five to sixty game season. And if they keep going at this rate, the front five alone will be between 105 and 120 goals, which just leads me to believe we're going to be in contention at the end of the season. Yeah. Yeah. And even in the in all round as the whole team, uh, we've we've got 49 in our first 20 games, so we're averaging two and a half goals a game, which is really uh, back to kind of 2018, 2019 levels nice. uh, under Klopp. Uh, so. I mean, and, and we're tighter at the back than we've been in uh, previous seasons as well. So I think every everything is looking uh, uh, pretty uh, pretty tasty at the moment. So uh, yeah, thirty nine goals from the from the lads up front is is really sensational mm-hmm. stuff. We're not even in December yet, and uh, you know we I think we have a in the next uh, twenty three days. It's going to be really busy. We have eight games coming up, so you could easily be looking at over 50 goals by the turn of the year from the front five which is really really nice. uh, impressive because darwin's not even got warmed up yet once like once, <laughs> yeah, once well, the he, goals start flowing for him that ratio he's not pulling go his, he's not pulling his weight is he it's five you, games without a goal for him now 
it doesn't feel like it though. I suppose because of the, the you know the Uruguay goals and that as well. Yeah. And, um. <clears throat> yeah, I'm not worried about that, but I do think like he's gonna explode in the new year. Right. Well, you said he was gonna have first boots in the Europa League, and he hasn't. So. Yeah, but the, he's not been starting all the games, and then you, you're no. coming on. No one's really filled the boots after Jota was. Jota was was like probably the. So what do they have? Three, four. Yeah, Gakpo's got there. six in his last seven starts, no. So he was really good tonight, him. wasn't he? Yeah. Do you think he comes into contention for the weekend again now, starting, or do you think it'll be Diaz and, and Mo and Darwin? Obviously, we'll get onto the weekend later, but um, I'd, I'd be—he actually looked good on the left tonight. You know, when when Darwin yeah. came on and he went on the left, I don't really like him there, but I did think he looked good there. You can say it's the level of opposition. But I don't really buy into that too much because these games are not as easy as they should be. We've seen that in all the other matches. So you can't just, like, when, when they play really well, say, oh, well, it was only this team when we've not played that well in the other matches. So you just got to judge it on its own merits. And I thought he looked really good tonight, centre forward, and he looked really good on the left. Um, but then Diaz has got a goal tonight as well. Um thought he played okay. I didn't think he was he blew the doors off or anything, but like he he, he plays alright. Yeah. His form's been a little bit of a concern and obviously we know what he's been through, like uh, with right. his dad and everything else, but his form was an issue like long before that, I thought. He just kinda of was masking it by contributing goals. Which yeah, I agree. but in terms of how he was playing, he wasn't looking as good as he mm. looked when he first arrived. Now that's totally understandable because he was out for a long time, and so they, like they often say with like those long injuries, it takes you the same amount of time again as like what you were out for. It takes you the same amount of time when you come back before you get fully back to what you were. So he's probably still just shaking off the you know the the effects of that. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if I'd start him or whether I'd start Gakpo. I mean, I don't know because Diaz didn't start last yeah. weekend because Jota was available. There's no Jota now, so um, I think Diaz will probably get the nod, but you can make a, a case for, for Gakpo playing. Yeah, I like. Yeah, I, I prefer think... Diaz coming off the bench than Gakpo coming off mm. the bench. To be honest, if I was to, if I was, if we needed yeah, something to change yeah, the game, I I'd prefer it to be, to be that way around. John, before we move on, I just have to reference one of my like favorite, like most endearing traits of yours. That I just fucking love is that like when you say the front five. You have to like name them all <laughs> when you do it, <laughs> and I, I just thinking like if you if you were to like say just like say the top ten, you wouldn't say the top ten. You've got a you've got a one, and then obviously a two, and then after that comes a your man three. <laughs> I just I fucking love it. No, um, do you know what's even yeah. more endearing than that? It's like you can always tell who his favourites are because he's on a first name basis with them. <laughs> <laughs> See, Diaz got yeah. a Diaz. He didn't get a Lewis, so that tells me a lot, really. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I, I, I still can't, uh, I, I still can't stand anybody calling our left back Robbo. You're the only person in the world who calls him Andy. Like even his mum doesn't call him Andy. It's just you. Well, she should. <laughs> Didn't but, he do the uh, Andy Cole thing a little while ago where he said he wanted to be known by Andrew? Did he? Ooh. Did he? Oh, I, thought, I thought so. That's not no, good, though. not good for yeah. you, JB. <laughs> <laughs> Got to start calling him Andrew now. 
what Andy wants, Andy gets. There you go, definitely. I mean, you even named your kid after him, dude, so... <laughs> yeah. Come on. True, true. If, for anybody who doesn't know, that. John's son is, is called Andreas, and uh, it was a sort of... It was your wife's suggestion, wasn't it, mate? That, that It was. Yeah, so... Uh, yeah. But I was on board. Of course you were. And have you used have you used Andreas once in the seven or eight no. months the kid's been alive? No, when when I call him I just say, Oh Andy today <laughs> Nice. Alright, should we talk about a bit about the game tonight then? Um we started really well, I thought. Um, you know, Harvey laid on a chance for Gakpo. His poor first touch from him, but a worse finish kind of blazed it over. Um if that was Gap, if that was Darwin, Dave's right. Everybody would have been fuming, but because it was Gakpo, everybody was just like, "Okay, that's fine." But a minute later, it didn't matter. We went one 0 up, and a beautiful header from Diaz from a really nice Joe Gomez cross, Dave. Yeah. Um, and to be fair to Diaz as well, he played the ball out to Gomez, so it was he a really it's kind of like a one-two between them, and uh, unstoppable header. Uh, and he's really sort of making making those headers count these days. Yeah, with his headers. Yeah, he, he scored like uh, he scored the header when he came off the bench against Luton. He's got a few for Colombia, that one as well there tonight. Yeah, he's he's good at just attacking the ball. It's not like he's well. One of the goals he scored for Colombia, he got up really high. It was a really good goal. Mm-hmm. But that tonight was just making a good run, attacking the ball, and then good header at the end of it. Um, Joe Gomez had a really good game tonight as well. I, I think Joe Definitely. Gomez is like on the quiet. He's having a really good season because he's not necessarily like first choice when everyone's fit I think it's easy to like overlook how he's been playing but I think he's been playing really well all season and he was excellent tonight I like well, him as a right to... back I really and he's done yeah. well at centre back but I like him as a right yeah. back he's not making mistakes yeah, every week too. either is he no. he's, he's yeah. cut that out he, yeah Chris absolutely he kind of always had that mistake in him didn't he you know he could be really good but he'd make one big mistake and it would cost us but he's he's eliminated that from his game this season and uh just we mentioned before we've played 20 games this season and uh obviously Klopp has you know used the squad uh, really well and uh, Gomez has played well figured in 16 of those games mm-hmm. and it kind of backs up what Dave said he's he's not a first uh, choice but circumstances have meant that he's been in there because of the European games Trent was obviously um, out injured Van Dijk was suspended after the, the Newcastle game and he's had a really uh, solid season mm-hmm. and uh, uh, whether it's and as you said Dave whether it's that centre-back or um, right back, he just gives us an extra option down that side now, um, which is really good. So yeah, he was great tonight, and he gets forward He's well. Good and, at that now. You know, yeah, yeah well, he show, is. And, show me any other right? Uh, show me any other centre half who plays right back as well as Joe Gomez has been playing when he's been called upon this season. Yeah, I mean, like Arsenal yeah. might say yeah. Ben Shite. He had a good season at right back last year. Played there quite a yeah. bit. But well, the clues in the name there, though, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> No, I, I totally agree, but I've been saying for a while I really like him at right-back and he's just added that attacking side of his game the last year or two. He's obviously worked on it and he looks good going forward now. You know, it's, He doesn't look like a centre-back playing right-back. He actually just looks like a right-back when he plays there now. Um, yeah. And I said like um, <clears throat> when Brownie was saying about buying a right-back, I said, well, 
I'd rather we if if we wanted to move Trent in midfield, I'd rather look at Gomez there first rather than think about buying someone. Because who are you going to buy? Who's who's going to be better than what Joe Gomez has been giving us when he's played there? Mm-hmm. Especially and if he, the reason why you're buying someone is because you want someone who's more solid defensively than than Trent is. Well, you've already got that. We've already got that player there, and I think he deserves first crack at it. Because he's, you know, he's he's waited patiently for his chance. He signed a new contract, even though he wasn't like first choice in that. Um, I'd like to see if that's what we we choose to do, and I don't think it is what we'll do. I don't think Klopp's going to move Trent from that position. But you know, God forbid, Trent could get injured at the weekend and, and could be out for a few months, and then where would mm-hmm. we be? Well, it would be yeah. Joe Gomez playing right back every week, and I'd be fine with that. Yeah. And even if you play centre back, uh, Dave, because we can't, we've we've seen that we can't rely on a uh, Konati uh, in terms of uh, fitness, and mm-hmm. obviously Joel isn't uh, uh, getting any younger, so you know his role could be uh, alongside Virgil yeah. as well uh, as centre. Well, we know he's so, done that before, yeah. hasn't he? When he plays yeah. centre back, it's it's tended to be in place of Virgil, hasn't it? You know, in the cup games when Virgil's rested, mm-hmm. and he came in for like the the games when he was suspended, so he's played like the left side of centre back, whereas. When he had his best run in the team, was right side of centre back alongside Virgil in the title winning season, and he was like phenomenal that year. Sorry, yeah, I mean there's an argument to be made for for him and uh, Virgil at, at centre back as well, I guess. So, I still think it's you know Canate, all things being equal, mm-hmm. is probably first choice, but. You can't rely on his fitness at the moment. Even like tonight, you knew it made sense that he's the one who you're going to take off because you've got to wrap him in cotton wool to some extent. Um, Joel's been like the surprise one. I mean, I don't want to jinx him, but remember, like he was injured all the time, and then the last like two years or so, he's not really had many injuries at all. He seems to have been able to put that behind him, yeah. which is unusual because once a player's like that and he's constantly getting muscle muscle injuries. That's usually just the way it stays. They don't usually like figure that out, and uh, but touch wood, like Joe yes, managed to stay like Thiago, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, Thiago, yeah. Sturridge, Lalana, um, you know, players like the Cater. They're just that's who they are, and it's it's you can't really fix it. But with Joel, they seem to have figured something out. Maybe it's just he's not playing as often. You know, they're playing yeah. him once a week, rotating him with Canate. It's helped both of them. Um, I feel like we're okay as long as we don't get any like batch injuries. Like we can afford yeah. one, maybe two of them to you miss a couple of games, but you just don't want that situation that we had in the the season after we won the league, where we yeah. had you know recent what's his name? What's his name? his name? Disrespect, Nat, Nat, Nat Phillips. Phillips. What's his name? <laughs> Outrageous slander. It's just completely. Sorry, I've had a, I've had a port. I've had a port. I'm feeling very. I'm feeling extremely festive tonight, boys. Like. I was in Shrewsbury today, the Christmas lights are on and everything, had a couple of pints in town and um, I've got back after the game and I've got like a Marks and Spencer's mince pie and this super thick cream stuff with it. It's like, it's almost like super glue level thickness and I've got a big glass of port so I'm feeling very Christmassy. So sorry now Phillips. I'll let you off, I'll let you off. (laughs) Uh, Right, okay, so... Yeah, we're doing well in terms of um, the cover that we have at the back at the moment. Joe Gomez is playing an important role in that, in sort of covering those two positions. Uh, and that's why I perhaps I wouldn't sign another defender anyway to play right back, because you've got him who adds the versatility of being able to play in the middle as well. And in an absolute emergency, you can stick him at left back and he, he's not going to probably let you down because mm. of his experience and his ability on the ball. So 
all good stuff there. Um, and the John kids the- as well. You got the kids coming through. Yeah. You want to have a- mm-hmm. like Connor Bradley. It's a shame he's been injured as long as he has because he, he absolutely tore it up on loan last year. And he's really highly thought of. So it, it, that was that was a shame that like he didn't get to play. But I don't think we'd be signing anybody and putting them in front of him, um, especially while you've got Gomez to fill in anyway. And on yeah. the left hand side, Costas, you know, fair play to Costas. We were doubting him a few weeks ago. It, things weren't looking great for him. He's bounced back really well. He had another decent game tonight. Nothing spectacular, but unfortunate that Almost. Shot, that shot. Fuck me, what a shot that oh, was! So lucky. It looked in all the way, it didn't did. it? Yeah, great did. shot. I was up celebrating that one. <laughs> yeah, because he's still, apart from the cup he final did. penalty winner, he hasn't scored for us, has he? No, he hasn't. Still, no. neither's so, Gomez. But, yeah. And he almost got. Well, he didn't always get one. He had a shot. Tonight, it was close. So. It was only like a couple of inches wide. That was. Yeah, I know, but it's one of those where the keeper's like scampering across on his yeah. knees because he knows it's going wide and stuff. So. Yeah. But um, we, thankfully, we didn't need the the fullbacks to bail us out with goals tonight because quarter of an hour in, um, somehow at, at various points during this move, John, like all three of the attackers involved in the goal found themselves in like acres of space. Like Diaz picked it up in a load of space. Played it through to Mo, who initially had a load of space, and then he bundles it across to Gakpo, who, uh, you know, nets one of those trademark back post open goal finishes, and uh, it's pretty much game over after that. Yeah, he likes those goals, doesn't he? Just uh, hovers in on the back post and uh, taps him in. But again, Mo, I think in the first game, uh, uh, Mo came on, didn't he? We were 2 1 up on that really bad pitch. And it was just uh, like probably like Brownie playing five aside with you guys. Uh, you know, there's a total difference in class. Hang on, hang on. Uh, <laughs> I need to, need to stop you there because Chris, I think you need to apologise for the last pod. And I do. You said that. That's not going to happen. No, he said Brownie was the was the best player on the pod, and Stu Monty was going nuts in the chat about it. He was not happy at all, and um, he said that he's better than the rest of us, and he's better than Brownie. I think Chris needs to address this and give due credit to the, the the best player on the pod, the only Ballon d'Or winner on the pod. Yep, absolutely, man. I mean, like, I I was Brownie all the way, and then I I heard what Stu had to say, third hand, second hand, and I completely dismissed that out of hand. But Dave, like, alerted me to the fact that you're the only player on the podcast who's nutmegged a Ballon d'Or winner <laughs> by proxy. So. <laughs> <laughs> True. So you yeah. have the crown now, and until Brownie or Monty or anybody else wants to take it from you, I think uh, it's <laughs> right for yours. I'll take that. You can subscribe to the Liverpool Way podcast on all the major platforms, whether it's Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon, or Podbean. Just search for the Liverpool Way, leave us a review, and hit subscribe to automatically receive all new episodes. You can also head to liverpoolway.co.uk and grab a TLW season ticket for just £3 a month. There's tons of exclusive content including match reports from every Liverpool game, weekly Premier League roundups, the TLW diary and access to the members only forum. Lastly, you can follow us on social media at the Liverpool Way on Twitter and at the Liverpool Way TLW on Instagram and Facebook. Yeah, but uh, no, as I say, uh, joking aside, uh, Mo when he came on against uh, uh, Lask in, in the in the first uh, group game, he was, it was just like men and boys. He obviously got that really good goal as well, didn't he? At the end, uh, they did not make. And uh, tonight he just 
looked a, a class apart again and he just looked like he was having a good time tonight didn't he and he's he seems to be taking on I mean he's always been great in terms of uh, scoring and uh, as a team player but he, he seems to be uh, he seems to have kind of a new role almost he's enjoying uh, I know he's obsessed with goals Dave has often mentioned this on the pod but he, he seems to be enjoying setting him up now and tonight it was great just a little flick with the outside of the left boot and he's uh, he's just so prolific I, either he's um, you know scoring goals or he's getting assists and I know the lads have been on about uh, what is an assist uh, in the last few games but you know that one tonight was a definite assist because he's done the work he got a great ball across the Gagpo and, did you uh, not think it was a yeah, shot? No, <laughs> I thought it was a bit of a bubbly no, it was his, a little his bubbly initial reaction when he plays it he kind of throws his head back as if to say oh. yeah. and then Gagpo scores yeah. and it's like yeah I'm claiming that as a pass I don't know I'm 50-50 yeah. on that I, I don't think know. he maybe had a shot well, what we can't dispute is Trent's assist that is an assist you know some of Trent's assists are like Set oh, yeah. pieces and stuff like that. That there, that's a proper assist. That pass, yeah. brilliant. And, a gr- and well, it's funny you, you mentioned. Yeah, yeah we'll get. Yeah, to you that. mentioned. Yeah, you mentioned on the pod last week. Um, I think it was with uh, Brownie and Jules, was it about uh, what Trent said uh, in the England press conference uh, about breaking the lines, uh, scoring goals. Yeah, well, and, we haven't uh, seen that, have we? And then next <laughs> 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 So, okay, I, I owe Trent but, an apology there, I think. <laughs> Maybe There's a lot of uh, apologising going on here tonight. Yeah. Yeah. First time for everything. Um, yeah, but... yeah. yeah uh, sorry, Chris. So, yeah, just great for uh, you know the two lads in the first half. And obviously that um, the game is over as a contest and it's just a case of how many we can get. If we can uh, keep a clean sheet and uh, if we can stay injury free which we managed to do so again perfect first half two goals perfect second half and uh, a perfect night mm-hmm. the thing I'm noticing a little bit more about Mo this season is perhaps he's not quite like he's not quite like wowing us as much as he used to but I think he's finding a way to be like more effective than he ever has been just in terms of his his goal contributions and that kind of stuff and the sort of efficiency of his play and I think if he could like there was a couple of opportunities for him tonight to get on the score sheet before he did if he could cut out some of those like those sort of like weaker curlier efforts on goal and and Mm. you know start being a little bit more clinical in front of goal then gosh can you imagine some of the numbers he'd be putting up more sledgehammer and less scalpel yeah yeah maybe yeah, definitely. And Darwin need to find like the right blend for like the finishing. <laughs> like Darwin's too much like blasting it and Mo's too much with the little back pass type ones. But I I said in the, in the match report like last week about Mo, he's, I just think he's like evolved now because, and he's had to because I don't think he's quite as like explosively quick as he was. He's still quick obviously, but you don't really see him beating players anymore. You know, he tends to like run into them, or they'll just get a toe on it and knock it out for a corner. He's not those like goals when like he dribbles past four players, and the ball's like stuck to his foot, and like he just gets away. He's not really doing that, which is fine. That's not like criticizing them. As players get older, like things are different. You know, like they they have to evolve the game slightly, and like the the comparison that I made, it's not like a like for like comparison for obvious reasons, but. Like John Barnes, when John Barnes lost his pace, like completely lost his pace, obviously Mo hasn't. He, he had to change his game. He's like no longer the, the winger on the outside. He's like skinning people, 
putting crosses in, scoring amazing goals. He totally transformed into like a central midfield player who kept the ball. Now, yeah. Mo's transformation is not as drastic as that, but Mo now is is a creator. He sets up so many more chances than he ever did before. And I watched an interview with him, like I don't know, it was on some like Sky Sports YouTube thing, um, when they do like they ask them like ten questions or something like that. And they were asking about like his relationship with Darwin. And Mo said, I said to Darwin, like, when I get the ball, I'm I'm always gonna look for you. And I'm watching that, I'm going, well, it's true, because when you watch him play, he does always try to play those little passes through to Darwin. But I was also thinking, I fucking guarantee you not once did he ever say that to Bobby or Sadio. <laughs> yeah. At no point did he go up to them and say, look, when I get the ball, I'm just looking for you every time. As if. There's like, no yeah. way. But now he has changed his game. Obviously, the team's changed as well. The dynamic of the front three is totally different. And Mo is like still putting up his big numbers. He's still getting the goals. Uh, maybe not quite at the at the rate he was in his absolute peak, but he's still getting plenty of goals, especially at Anfield where he scores like every single game. Uh, but he's much more creative now than he than he was say like three four years ago, and that's something that's like definitely changed as he's got older and his games just evolved slightly. As I say, I mentioned John Barnes, but it's not the same as that. But the basic principle is like, well, I'm not necessarily able to do exactly that anymore. So now mm-hmm. I'm going to do this. And you can see he is like... A, and, and the other thing is, and this is nothing to do with Mo himself, the way we play now is different where like you see him, he's having to come deep to pick the ball up and give us that width on the right-hand side because Trent's not over there anymore. So when the centre-back's got the ball and he's looking for like the out ball on the right, it's Mo now. He Sometimes he's even coming back into his own half to pick the ball up and he protects it really well and he usually keeps the ball. He'll pop a little pass inside and that. But these are areas that he never used to have to go in before. You know, that, that wasn't what he was he was doing. He was just constantly like making those diagonal runs in behind. He doesn't get to do that anymore, whether he's capable mm-hmm. of doing that or not. I mean, obviously he is. He's still quick. He's just not the fastest player in the team like what he was but he doesn't get to do that as often because he's got other duties to keep the shape of the team and he's done that without any kind of ego or anything like thinking I don't want to do that I want to be up front scoring goals he's got on with it and he's just done it and I think that's to his his great credit as well I think he looks happy as well he's the happiest I've seen him look he looks like really just like he's enjoying his football and uh, like he was all smiles when he came off tonight, wasn't he? So it's just, only because he scored. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> it was like it was sort of. <clears throat> you can tell that Jurgen probably wanted to make some of those changes at half time, but you know he wanted to wait until go no let him get his goal. goal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, just to wrap the first half up, there were a couple of moments, John, where they did kind of get in behind and they played. They played some nice football, but. Most of the times they got in behind us, and this was true throughout the game, really, the the players go through to its completion and then the flag goes up. So you almost get like a skewed perspective of how effective they've been because like, I tend not to worry too much now compared to what I did last season when teams were just getting in behind us constantly. I, th- I feel like that's an issue that we've done really well in terms of sorting out. Now I feel like when teams get in behind us, more often than not, the flag is going to belatedly go up. So, you know, sometimes it can look a little bit like... You know they've they've done a good job in playing through us, but really they haven't. Yeah, you got the term uh, exactly um, uh, correct, uh, Chris. A skewed uh, perspective because if if you look at it and 
uh, you're thinking that we're getting rinsed, uh, but actually it's offside and uh, I'm not going to get into a VAR uh, debate tonight, but that's one of my big uh, bugbears at the moment as well. Um, this offside rule where they wait until the completion of the play uh, to put up the flag where it's clear that it's offside. And I mean, it hasn't happened yet. Uh, not that I can think of anyway, but somebody's going to get seriously injured. And yeah. especially on a night like tonight when it's minus two, yeah. you know, fuck. And uh, it's uh, why why leave the uh, can, can one of you explain the reason why they leave the play go through, uh, you know, uh, to, to the very end of the action or whatever? Because I, I just don't get it. If, if it's offside, it's offside and just stick your flag up rather than risking uh, a sliding tackle. Because usually in those situations, as you said, Chris, uh, you know, uh, the the back four probably uh, pushing up and th th there's going to have to be a, a sliding tackle or uh, some kind of uh, intervention to to stop the play and it it just increases a, a danger and risk uh, for players so I I don't get why uh, this law is being enforced and it's it's, it's going to end up uh, bad it, uh, for somebody they don't want to they don't yeah. want like a goal getting disallowed that shouldn't be disallowed so because they're using VAR. The logic behind it is, well, we'll just let it play out and let VAR deal with it. Because, like, if you put your flag up thinking he's offside and then he's not, that goes against what they're doing yeah. with, with the whole but VAR. Some of them are just I don't so like obvious, it. I'm, you know? I know. Yeah. I'm just saying to... the, the reason that's that's why they do that. But I don't like it. I, I, and, I, and it is. But they dangerous. need to just deploy it strategically, right? Like, reserve keeping your flag down for calls that you know are tight yeah. if somebody's two exactly. yards offside like it's just the fact that they blanket apply that rule to pretty much everything until the player's gone through so just fucking do it for the ones that are mm. obviously offside as you say you say this all the time I know. they're really really good at their jobs so just let them let them do it they're right? not going like, to miss the obvious ones are they they're, no, they're almost yeah. always going to get it right if they're sure that it's offside they'll put the flag up if they're not sure keep it down but Costas and, and Kelleher almost collided. Like Costas, I think Kelleher shouted for it, and Costas didn't want to take any chances, and he slid in and cleared it. And they almost had like a, a really bad collision, and and that was because of that. And that's why Klopp was going mad at the fourth official, saying, you know, you've got to put the flag up because we could have had a bad injury there. I mean, God forbid, Costas could have clattered Kelleher. And Kelleher could be out, and then you know what that means. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> spearing. <laughs> that's that's spearing. the thing. Uh, the, I, I mean, we're we're already down to the bare bones uh, with um, uh, Andy being out uh, for the next uh, a few weeks. Andrew and uh, Andrew. Um, so they could have both uh, got injured in that in uh, in that case. So Costas yeah. is out then, and uh, Keller is out, and obviously um, Allison is going to be out for maybe two or three weeks. So uh, yeah, it's just putting players in danger needlessly. So yeah, um, yeah but that's the rule, I guess. So uh, considering how high they are on like blowing the whistle when a player is down hurt with a head injury, and how high they are on any tackle that is deemed to endanger an opponent. You think they'd have a little bit more common sense when it comes to endangering players by having defenders sprint back into position because yeah. they think the strikers through on goal. But anyway, that's we've gone already, we've already gone longer on VAR in a game where it wasn't used a single time than <laughs> no. than we needed to. So, um, so uh, the second half started 
just as frenetically as the first three. It was kind of end-to-end stuff. This it was like you know, re- yeah. as we said at the start, really entertaining game. Good stuff for the people who turned out. Uh, you know, in minus two condition, they certainly got their money's worth. Um, and we soon got a pen five minutes into the second half. Uh, Gakpo did well to get there first. First of all, I thought the keeper had pushed the ball away, but the um, the replay showed he, he didn't get anywhere near it. And um, uh, Mo smacked in the pen. And I just thought that was one of those like secondary school efforts from the goalkeeper to try and save the pen, you know, and people just don't. <laughs> yeah. They're too small so they don't fucking dive. He thought Mo was going up the middle. <laughs> yeah. he's, he's done his homework on Mo's pens, and a lot of them have gone up the middle. And that's what he was expecting. And you always look like a tit. If if you if you gamble on that, that they're going up the middle and you don't dive, you look stupid. But if they do go up the middle and you save it, like I think Pickford last year against Vardy, I mean, that basically kept them up. That and fucking yeah. Brighton. But anyway. Um, <laughs> Stop. <laughs> so, the, Cut his mic. The, the keeper there, he's, he's obviously thought he's going up the middle. A lot of his pens go up there. But even if he dives, he's not getting anywhere near that. That's one of the best pens I've seen Mo take. That, that <laughs> yeah, was like definitely. perfect penalty. Brilliant penalty. Yeah, definitely. And that was his... Uh, you, you, sorry, John, go ahead. The, sorry, Chris. Do you trust him more and more now on pens? I do. Uh, yeah, until he misses one and then I'll go back to saying <laughs> no. But no, I, he has kind of won me back over. Uh, his last, his last couple have, been, have been really good. Yeah. yeah. Since yeah. the one he missed and he got the tap in against... Uh, Brentford, I think it was. Since I, then, I think the ones he's taken have been really one, good. One thing I have to say about Mo with penalties, even though like there's times when I'm like, well, I don't trust him at all, what's he doing? He, t- he takes it like really seriously. You know, the thought that he puts into it, like even when he's blasting it and you think, what's he doing? He's just decided I'm going to blast it. There'll be a reason for it. Because I always remember like Ben Foster's got that YouTube channel and he... He's like he's really informative. Like think he tells you stuff that you're like, oh okay, that's interesting. And he was talking about Mo, and he said like when he played, Mo always did well against Watford, didn't he? even Ben Foster was there. And he said like at the end of the game, Mo came up to him, and you know Mo's always got his hand over his mouth when he's talking mm-hmm. to people and that. And like they said to me like, what what's he saying to you there? And he went, oh he came up to me and he said, if we'd have got a penalty today, which way were you gonna dive if I took the penalty? So he's like trying to do his homework. He wants to know if the keepers yeah. are like, yeah, you put all your penalties to the left and I was going to go to the left. And then he'd be like, okay, so they're on to me now. So he does put like a lot of thought into that. So I've got to give him credit there. And uh, that's probably part of the reason why he's being kept on them. Uh, and something yeah. we never, we don't know about. They must have like penalty competitions in training. And if, if he wasn't like either winning or, you know, top two or three, I think they'd have taken him off pens. I think there might be a net positive as well to keeping him on pens, because if he's getting his goals through pens, he's going to be more liable to not go into it's 20 minutes left in the game, yeah. and I haven't scored yet, so yeah. I'm just going to like shoot on sight every time yeah. I get the ball and dribble past the whole team. And you can sub him without him throwing a tantrum as well. <laughs> right, <laughs> there you go. He's got a smile on his face when he comes on. Yeah, uh, yeah that's fine I, by I me. Mean, he he did that at Chelsea, didn't he? In the first game of the season, he got taken off, and he he, he was in a bit of a strop because he hadn't scored, um, <laughs> and he he does tend to do that. But uh, yeah, if he scores, you can take him off. Uh, if he gets scored after five minutes, uh, I reckon you can take him off after six, and he'd be happy. <laughs> <You know? 
he's just obsessed with his stats and in fairness to him uh, that was 199 tonight wasn't it yeah. next next goal hopefully Chris you'll get to see that on a Sunday yeah, uh, hopefully he'll bring up 200 for Liverpool on Sunday which will mean that he'll be one of only five players in our history to get to that uh, mark which is uh, unbelievable gosh he, I, so I really good. hope that happens I've got I've got two Anfield games to see it I guess if I had to choose I'd probably pick the, the one after that but yeah, that would yeah. be a lovely moment to to see that. And um, he just keeps, you know, racking up the accolades. I think that was his 20th goal in his last 19 games at Anfield. So, really, the odds are on him doing it, you know. Like, there aren't many yeah. that go by where he, where he doesn't get his goal. So, um, and it's not like he's, you know, getting hat-tricks all the time these days. So, yeah, hopefully yeah. that does happen. And, he will. Um, the goal was the cue, as we kind of alluded to earlier, the goal was the cue to ring the changes. We had three subs. Uh, Darwin comes on for Mo. Um, Curtis comes on for Diaz. And Trent comes on for Canate. Uh, and there's a really nice moment there, Dave, where um, Darwin's coming on and Diaz is coming off and they exchange that. Like, Darwin, like, lifts him off the ground. Did you see yeah. that? Yeah. That, that was lovely. That's great. Yeah, it was. My dad was fuming that we didn't get to see Diaz's dad celebrating the goal as well. He kept going on. He's like, why Why isn't the camera on Diaz's dad? Where, where? You know, because they added on him at Man City, didn't he? Obviously, like, the the cameraman couldn't pick him out in the crowd for this one. But, uh, yeah, I would have liked to have seen that because he actually scored. He was celebrating, mm-hmm. like, Trent's goal at the weekend, but it would have been nice to see him celebrating, like, his son's goal. But ne- never mind. There might be some footage Maybe something somewhere. will come out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There'd be footage. And it's his first goal back, I think, uh, at Anfield, isn't it, since all this stuff mm-hmm. happened as well. So... Yeah, it's really nice. But uh, yeah, Chris, as you say, just being able to spring the bench after 55 minutes, uh, you know, Mo gets his goal. He's fresh for the weekend. Um, Diaz, the same. May start the weekend. Um, and then you're obviously getting uh, Trent uh, and uh, Curtis, uh, you know, half an hour or so, which is really good. So the, the game management uh, has been uh, really good in the whole competition. And tonight was absolutely perfect. And we even, you know, uh, got to um, rest uh, completely. Uh, Virgil, who obviously come back in, and uh, the two lads in midfield as well. So, uh, yeah, couldn't ask for any more tonight. From uh, in terms of uh, keeping players fresh for the, the the period ahead. So, yeah, fantastic uh, all round. What What did you think of Endo tonight? Thought he did He's good, a solid job. Mm. Yeah, really solid. Does his job. It got better yeah. the longer it went on, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And uh, I mean, it's it's kind of a perfect competition for him as well, isn't it? At least in the group stages, maybe that'll change when we uh, get to the business end of things uh, in March. But uh, for the moment, it it allows um, him to get game time, to get used to the system, and uh, also allows um, the two lads uh, to. You know, uh, Dom had a night off tonight for the first time in a good while. He's obviously been busy with international stuff. Um, Maca last week as well with uh, the long journey from uh, South America so they've had they'll have had a, a full week off uh, between the city game and the Fulham game and should be really uh, fresh and good to go on Sunday so yeah yeah Endo is doing exactly I think we we bought him for for this kind of game and he's he's proven his worth at the moment yeah what did you make of um of Darwin's cameo tonight Dave it was sort of there was a a couple he, within two minutes of coming on, he'd had two shots on goal. One was deflected wide, and one was well saved. Neither of them went in, but it's it was kind of summed him up really. An instant threat, and yeah. in and around the action at all times. But 
the ball's just not going in the net very often at the moment. No, but I don't think he's done anything wrong on either of those. It's you know the second one. A... I thought he could have done better with. I mean, if your shot's blocked, then your shot's blocked. But if you hit it straight at the keeper, then yeah. But the keeper's there, and there's like there's a couple of defenders as well. It's not like he had like a big gap to aim for. There's always a goalkeeper again, though. He's blasted it uh, rather than maybe pick the spot. But I, I don't think it's like you class it as like a bad miss or anything yeah. it's just one of those mind you the last time he was last time he played in that competition at Anfield there was no keeper and he, and he still missed yeah yeah that's so, true or was that in the League Cup uh, no it was in Europe wasn't it yeah mm. yeah sorry go on what did no, you make I, of his little half an hour yeah tonight? I thought when he came on like he straight away it, it just lifted the, the, the tempo and like things happen when he's around and I thought there's no way he's not scoring here you know after he had those two chances straight away but after that didn't really ball didn't come to him. He was making runs. We we had like good situations, but somebody else would be in a better position. The ball's gone elsewhere. Didn't really get much of a chance. Um, I was frustrated that he didn't get his goal. It's like you know, you you want him to score in a game like this because everyone else has got a goal. All the other forwards mm-hmm. and uh, it just would have been nice for him to get one just to keep things ticking over. But no, I, I'm absolutely delighted with the way he's playing. I think. You know, he's a massive threat whenever he plays, and I do think like the goals are just going to start flowing. Yeah, okay. John, United you soon, yeah. he'll get another couple against yeah. them like last season. Oh, yes, please. I, I do agree with Chris, uh, though, Dave, that he, he does need a goal. It's been a while now. I mean, he's been involved, and he's getting chances, and he's setting up chances, but uh, is, did you say, Chris, before it was around five games? It is five, uh, well, yeah. the last game... Uh, that's yeah, I think the last goal he... It doesn't feel like I, it, but again, I, probably because of Uruguay, isn't it? I think the last yeah. goal he got was in that um, Bournemouth away. League Cup, was it? Yeah. Yeah, the, that, that great one he got in the top corner against yeah. Bournemouth. Yeah, so that was on the 1st of November, so yeah, a month uh, since he's got a goal, so... Uh, but could do with one at the yeah, weekend. He, he did. He did like shout at Guardiola, so that kind of <laughs> make, makes up for like at least three games with no goals. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's fair. Still don't know what that was about, and I'm desperate to know like what. It yeah, was, me too. Like. I like to think it was in response to what happened last season, where when uh, when he was like wanting our players to celebrate one of City's goals, and like shaking their hands and going, "Oh, what a great goal that was." I like to think Darwin was like pointing and going, "Yeah, did you like that fucking goal?" But <laughs> it, it'll probably be something absolutely stupid, something like that we'd never have guessed. That like, would probably explain why Guardiola didn't know what Darwin was on about, though, wouldn't it? If it was that, Klopp knew like, what the, something was a foot though, because you know when you watch it back, did you see like Klopp shakes hands with Guardiola and starts to walk away? And Klopp knew before Darwin even reached Guardiola, Klopp had turned around as if to say, uh oh, and he was already making his way over. So <laughs> something must have been getting said on the bench. Darwin's probably saying, I'm going to fucking yeah. say something to that. That's why. Because Klopp was definitely ready for it because he turned and he, he's already going over to defuse the situation before the situation started. So Klopp's lying when he says, oh, I didn't know what it was about and that it was all in Spanish. He knew that something was, was going to happen he knew. there and he got in in time to. To, to stop it escalating but um, yeah because obviously I've watched that probably about 200 times trying to figure out exactly what was going on but yeah still don't know and I'm like desperate to know might have to I just wait loved until how much Jürgen was yeah right I just loved how much Jürgen was actually loving it though he had like a great big massive smile and the other players the as well running. did yeah. you see McAllister just like <laughs> smirking away do you know the only thing that was missing there was Bobby 
Because <laughs> you imagine the face is bobbing to be With his little side eye. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but no, like Curtis has a little smirk and McAllister can't keep the grin off his face. But And that's what I mean. I think all, well, they were all sat on the bench and they knew he was pissed off about something and he was going to say something because it didn't shock any of them. None of them was surprised by what had happened. It was like the players were laughing. Not They weren't looking as if to say, what's going on here? They were just like laughing as if to say, oh, he's done it. And Klopp knew that that was coming as well. Whatever he says, if you, when you watch his reaction, he's already started to diffuse that situation before the situations even arose. Mm-hmm. It's good stuff, man. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> I genuinely do love him to death. Like I know that sometimes I push back a little bit hard against you. It's me that makes it, you root against him. It's like me with, with I don't Callahan root against and him. And, no, yeah, but I, I know what you mean. Yeah, it's I, just, I just push I push back a little, at your fanaticism a little bit, that's all. It's me but I do dad, genuinely love him. Yeah, thing. pretty much. You well, Callahan had a him. good game tonight. He did. He did have a good game tonight, as yeah. I know, because my dad kept going on about it. Um, <laughs> Keller, as he calls him. He's <laughs> had uh, pronunciations, though. I mean, all season, <laughs> Sobber's lie. He's, he, he's just saying to me, what's his name again? Who's, who's he? I'm like, Sobber's lie, Dad. And he just wouldn't attempt it. And the other week he attempted it. And he went, a super fly playing today. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good nickname. I know, him, it though. works. It, it, was like, yeah. it wasn't intentional yeah. at all. It was like just a total yeah. mistake. But it, it's like, I mean, okay, that kind of works. But, yeah, um, definitely. What was the. How does he say uh, Keller's first name? He doesn't. Neither do yeah. I, though, to be fair. It's fair uh, enough. Well, he, he just uh, he calls him Keller. But when. Um, he made a save and he was like, you see, that's why he's our best goalie. I'm like, stop, <laughs> just stop, stop right now. I'm not, I'm not having this conversation again. And he's like, but I is, I trust him more. Like, just because you trust him more doesn't mean he's better. Okay. <laughs> and then he starts going on about like, you know, he's, he doesn't mess about with his feet like Alison. I'm like, I agree with you. You're right. I totally agree with you. He's much better with his feet, but don't start saying he's a better goalkeeper because he's just, he's not. But um, he did play well tonight. He made a couple of yeah. smart saves, even though a couple of them yeah. were offside, wouldn't have counted, but he doesn't yeah. know that. Um, he, he's done really well in the second half. Um, uh, he's come off his line really uh, really, really quick and made himself yeah. uh, big. Uh, he's made a good save. But, I mean, he's he's going to have to be good, isn't he? Because yeah, he is. he's going to prob- probably in there for the next... Um, f- I'm not sure how long Alisson is going to be out, probably three weeks or so. Yeah, so I mean, the, the we, we've got to, there for... we can't have a con- we've got to have a conservative estimate, haven't we? Really, like we can't really be gung ho yeah. because it's we don't really have any experience of players like that coming back Early. before <laughs> never, you yes. know, never. never. So, yeah. but that clean sheet he kept tonight, John, is is important as well, right? Like we we need him to play well, but we also need him to be confident, and that's uh, you know making some saves, keeping the others out. Like that's uh, it bodes well for the next couple of weeks. Yeah, definitely. And I, I mean, we've kind of uh, called him out uh, uh, this season uh, on the pod in, in Europe uh, a few weeks back where everything just seemed to go past him. And um, there was it a game against uh, Toulouse at home where uh, there was a one-on-one and he just made the yeah. goal so big. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, we kind of criticised him rightly at the time. And yeah, the clinch, he would have been playing tonight even if Alisson... Um, had been fit obviously but uh, the fact that he played uh, knows that he's going to be playing on a, 
uh, Sunday against Fulham and kept a clean sheet tonight and made a couple of good saves as well. It sounds as if he kept a clean sheet and had nothing to do. He made yeah. two good saves. He's really good with his feet as well. And uh, hopefully we can count on him. We, we'll, we'll need to pr- protect him, I think, more than uh, we do with Alisson. We can rely on Alisson a lot more than uh, Kelleher. Uh, but um, hopefully he'll uh, he'll come through for us. Uh, I, I, I think he's probably going to play... Uh, up, up to and including uh, the United game uh, because that's you know in two weeks time and I can't see Alisson given what Klopp has said being back before then especially if it's a hamstring or muscle strain so um, you'd like to think Alisson would be back for the United game but if, if he's not uh, we're going to have to rely on Keller and hopefully uh, you know tonight we'll have given, given him the confidence to, um, to, to to play well in the next few weeks well, uh, because we have some, some huge games coming up so. what, what did Klopp didn't rule him out of the United game did he rule him out the next couple and said like yeah. maybe that okay. but I think he'll, he won't play against United I agree with you I think it, that'll be he'll be not quite yeah. back for that uh, I think there is like a precedent because didn't he have a hamstring injury before? Uh, I can't remember how long he was out for, but I think it was at least three weeks. Yeah. Mm. So what was that injury he had where it kept it kept him out for a few weeks and we effectively got knocked out of the, the European Cup because yeah, Adrian um, had to go. Adrian on. had to play against Atletico. Atletico wasn't that it? might yeah. have been hamstring. Yeah, might have been. Yeah. Could have been that muscle injury. Mm. Yeah, could have been that, Chris. Yeah. Gosh. Oh, so man. yeah, he, yeah, he's he's going to play. Um, he, he's going to play uh, probably uh, well at the weekend definitely, and he's going to play the next uh, three league games. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know they come up in quick uh, succession as well. Fulham on uh, Sunday, then Sheffield United midweek, and uh, Palace on uh, Saturday week. So we have three in uh, six days. So he's going to play all those at least, and then uh, does he play in the European game? Um, that dead rubber, no, no, or do you rest him? I'm resting him for that. Yeah, Adrian's not in the squad, him, yeah. is he? Um, the Brazilian lad was on the bench tonight, Pitaluga, okay. because yeah. they couldn't register Adrian because they needed, um, I think it was Gravenberg when he came in, I think they had to register him. I don't know, there was, Adrian missed out because somebody else needed to be registered. Yeah. Um, so like, I don't think Alisson's going to be back, for, well, he's not going to be back for any of those games. I personally no. don't think he'll he'll be back for the United game just based on how long hamstring injuries usually take. And I know he's a goalkeeper, so he's not having to do as much running, but he still does have to run. You know, if he's got to come out for a through ball and he's got to go like mm. sprinting, he's got to be fully fit. I don't think you can protect him, especially with our high line. You know, if you're if you're in goal for like for Everton, and I mean, I don't think Jordan Pickford's ever left his penalty area in the whole time he's been there. You know, because they defend like they defend deep. Um, so you can protect the goalkeeper who's not going to have to run out and deal with three balls but Alisson does come out of his goal to deal with stuff so if he's not right I don't think you can play him and I'd be surprised if he was fully fit for the United game but at least the games he's missing when he's not missing games against anyone good so there is that yeah. as long as he's back for Arsenal that's the main thing oh, that's, a, that's, that's massive, the week yeah, after isn't it, isn't it? Yeah. yeah it's on the uh, the Saturday evening yeah. uh, under lights just before Christmas. Uh, Christmas is on the Monday and that Arsenal game is on the 23rd on the Saturday. So that's we've how had some that could be it. We've had that some could really be great like, just before Christmas games at home to Arsenal oh, yeah. down the years, haven't we? Like Or just after Christmas. There was that, the one where we, on Boxing Day, I think, where we won like 5-1 or something. 
um, and just they took the lead and then we absolutely dismantled. Bobby got a hat trick. And then it was the 22nd anniversary of Neil Mellor's winner yesterday yeah. against Arsenal. Yeah, I saw that. And I remember there was one just before Christmas as well in 2001 where I think we, we smashed them 4-0 at Anfield and it was the week after Danny Murphy had scored against us, uh, against Man United to end like the God knows how long it had been since we'd won at Old Trafford with the free kick when we had the yellow kit. So we've had loads of big games against them like close to Christmas down the years and we tend to fucking do really well in them. So I know that counts yeah. for nothing, but hopefully that tradition continues because it's shaping up to be like one of the three biggest games we have left. So, um, yeah, yeah, good stuff. Um, just I wanted to touch for a second on speaking of like young players who are who are backups. Um, I thought Quanta was really good again tonight, Dave. Yeah. Like I, of all the young players that we've got coming through, maybe aside from like Harvey. I think he's the one I'm most excited about at the moment because he just looks the absolute business. He does. Did you see that clip the other day with it when Vinnie O'Connor was at, at the training ground and he was talking to Klopp? Klopp was like messing around, got him in a headlock and mm-hmm. stuff. And he, I read it in your roundup or the diary or something. Yeah, and he, he said like he, Klopp, and I don't know whether Klopp knew the camera was on. I mean, there's a cameraman stood behind him, so he probably did. And Vinnie O'Connor says, I was at the under-21 game the other night, you know, a couple of goals for Harvey. And he said something like, you know, Quanta played well, and Klopp was like, yeah, Virgil 2.0. And I'm like, <laughs> that's, a, that's a really, like, big thing to say. Even though it's kind of tongue-in-cheek, you still don't say that about someone. Like, he's not going to call Nat Phillips Virgil 2.0. Do you know what I mean? Because ta- it'd be deemed like he'd be taking the piss. Yeah. I, if he did. It's, so for him to say that... He sees him every day in training, and and there is similarities, you know, like just the way he carries himself, and like and he can spray passes well. He's not done that too much, but we've seen him do it occasionally. And apparently, like he bossed the game for England under twenty ones. He's like playing centre back and just totally bossed the game. He was like outstanding. He, he's he's way better than I think any of us like expected him to be when yeah. he when he was like around the squad yeah. at the start of the season. We're like, oh yeah, he looks all right. You know, he, he might. He might be useful, and now you look at him like if he had to play in a league game, I would not bat an eyelid at all. No, he just looks like he belongs, doesn't yeah. he? He belongs. Whereas, yeah. like, God bless them, Nat Phillips and Reese Williams, the job that they did for us that season when they got us in the Champions League, I won't have a word said against either of them too. You know, like what they did for us was like heroic under the circumstances. You never looked at them and thought that's like a future centre-back, someone who's going to cement a place. It's like someone who's come in and like performed above and beyond what you would reasonably expect from them. But like I'm looking at Quanta and I'm like, yeah, he's he's an actual proper player and someone who may well go on to become first choice here. He looks like he's mm-hmm. got it in him. Now, the only caveat to that is he's not done it against like high-quality opponents yet. He's been like mainly these Europa League games... Um, did he, he play? Did he play at Newcastle? Yeah, when Virgil got sent yeah, off, so, he, yeah, he came on. on and, yeah, and he, he came did on. well in that yeah. game. So that's yeah. probably the biggest test he's had in terms of like quality of opposition, and he coped with that. Like you know, there was nothing about him that made you think, "Oh, I'm not sure about that." Um, he's so confident, so good on the ball. He's. I don't think he's lightning quick, but he's quick enough. He's strong, aggressive. He, he does. He's intelligent yeah, as well. Yeah, he, he looks yeah. the business. He really does. Yeah. 
Yeah. And there was, and, I there mean, was one, none of us... Go ahead, John, sorry. Go, go on, Chris, sorry. I was just going to say there was uh, a couple of minutes, like with like 20 minutes to go, uh, twice in a couple of minutes, he got back and he made a really tremendous block. And then mm. a couple of minutes after that, there was a similar situation where he just looked so much like Virgil when he did it, where he just sort of like caught up with the player and just harried him out of play just sort of like stood alongside him and said no you're not going anywhere and the ball went out for a goal kick like it's just stuff like that that you look at him and and obviously there's a hell of a long way to go and the kids obviously got a really good head on his shoulders as well judging by the limited times we've heard him speak and stuff but man like I am super pumped about him to the point where I wouldn't be looking to sign another centre half at all now I just that would just block his path just like let's ride with him well, if you sign another centre back, it would be because Matip's leaving. Now I'm yeah. increasingly coming round to the point of view where I just think give him another two year contract, and let's stick with what we've got and and keep looking at Quanta. Now it's just that left hand side where you think do we do we need like Virgil's successor? Maybe we found him. Maybe we haven't. But Virgil looks like he's got a good few years in him. You know, he looks like he's back anyway. So mm-hmm. it's not that pressing a need, and like so, you look at someone like the the Dutch kid who, who Tottenham signed, and he started the season well. He's he's injured now; he's out for a while, but he looked good. And there's a part of me thinking, why didn't we go for him? You know, we were linked to them. It looked like we were going to make a move, and we didn't. And for whatever reason, we've not done that. And I know Paul's always banging the drum. Paul wants like a left side defender, and I see the argument for it, but I don't think it's as long as we. We don't have an injury crisis. I think we're fine with what we've got. And the the real question, it's not so much about Quanta. Quanta's going to have a future here. I, th- I think we can see that. Whether it's as a squad player or as like an absolute nailed-on starter, we'll see. But we know he's good enough that you want him as part of the squad. The real mm-hmm. question is, what do we do with Matip? Do we give him a new contract or do we let him go and then buy someone? Do you think he'd take a year yeah. at this point in his career? Uh not sure he'd take a year. Players tend to not take one year contracts. Uh, yeah, especially, especially with the Saudi money yeah. now. But I'd offer right, him two. Yeah. I'd offer him yeah. two, and then if after a year he wants to move on, you don't have yeah. to ask for a transfer fee for him, do you? You know, um, I, yeah. he's only thirty-two. I mean, only in centre back yeah. terms, he's, he's he's still got a couple of years in him, and uh, yeah, he, I think he's done enough to uh, earn that contract. As you said before in this pod. Uh, Dave, uh, remember, was it maybe four or five years ago we just uh, decided to rebuild him because he was injured the yeah. whole time and uh, we just took him out and uh, uh, basically got him back uh, on uh, a solid footing and ever since then he's been, uh, I mean he's had his his injuries and everything but in the last couple not of years many. he's he's been yeah. available more, more often than not. No. So. Yeah, six million dollar man. Contract. I think he built him, didn't he? Yeah, and yeah. Since then, yeah, he's, sure he's not really been injured much at all since he took him out and and did that. Uh, yeah, and I think you, you also have to consider the impact on the squad. It's like I think you've got to keep him because imagine how like just heartbroken everybody would be if he left, <laughs> especially Virgil. Would yeah. Virgil cope if, if like Joel left? I don't think he could deal with it. I think you've just got to give him a contract for as long as Virgil's here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, def- I think I and, think that's uh, just un- likely to happen as well, right? Because Jurgen so. tends to re- reward the players that he's loyal to. Like he wants to give everybody new contracts, pretty much. Yeah, like yeah. if they're willing to stay and what have you, and if they're a part of the team. I mean, I know it's different with like Ox and Cater, but clearly the writing was on the wall for them. That's not the case with 
with Joel, obviously, because at the moment he's first choice centre-half alongside Virgil. So yeah. I don't see any reason why we wouldn't at least offer him. He doesn't seem like the type who's going to say no over money unless we really lowball him. So it seems like a probable scenario. Yeah, yeah. seems like a no-brainer uh, to me. I think he said a few weeks back that uh, he saw himself finishing his career either at Liverpool or Schalke. Yeah, those were the two clubs. So obviously, money talks, and is with the Saudi money and everything now, that could make a difference. But yeah, give him a two-year contract, and even just to have him around the squad and everything, as yeah. Dave said, is 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 really vital. And just on Kwanzaa, um, I mean, a lot of us probably wouldn't have known much about him at, at the start of the season, but uh, we're twenty games in, and he's uh, started six times. Uh, played in 10 games so he's kind of quietly working his way into Klopp's thinking and Mm -hmm. who knows maybe two years down the line he could be a regular starter he's still only 20 so you know he is 5 10 15 years ahead of him if if we can keep him so yeah he's really good yeah Yeah, I know he's a baby Mm -hmm. Um, sure is my one caveat just to return to the Matip thing for a second um, my one caveat with giving Joel a new contract would be the fact that we've been here before and that we've revolt, we have mistakenly given players in their 30s new contracts. And we know where that has led us in terms of not being able to sign new players because you have to get rid of the existing ones. You know the way that FSG operate on that. Yeah. And that's that's really hindered us. So I just I would caution that we could maybe learn a lesson from that in terms of handing out a two year contract now that doesn't look good. A year or so from now that's the only that'd be my only yeah sort of i think the only caution. reason it wouldn't look good was if he started getting injuries again mm-hmm. his form's not going to completely drop off a cliff or anything plus the fact you're not relying on him to be in the team every single week anyway so i don't think with the midfield it was more of a problem because there were so many of them who were injured all the time or like weren't contributing when they were fit and we couldn't bring players in because Klopp was keeping those players. He, he, instead of mm-hmm. he, he, they had years left on the contract, and he wasn't forcing them out. If a player wanted to stay, he let them stay until the contract was up, and then you know they left. And then we rebuilt the midfield when we should have done it twelve months ago and sent Ox and Kater packing. But that's not mm-hmm. Klopp style. Um, so yeah, that that take that point. All I would say is that it's only one player. It's not like we've got the whole of the back four who were. Yeah. Like with the midfield where we had too many you were not contributing. I don't think that's the case with with the defence, but it may well be part of the thinking, just the the financial aspect of it and you're not gonna bring in another player when you've already got four. So yeah, it's something to think about, but personally, unless there's like a shit off player who we don't want to miss out on, I'd be looking at it and going, Oh, I'll just keep Joel for another season and the transfer yeah. funds used for something else. What that something yeah. else is, I don't really know to be honest. Chris, would you go on? Would you just give him a year-on-year year contract like we did with Milner? Maybe if he would, if he'd be willing Obviously, to accept it, I'd be more than yeah. happy to do that. But Milner, I think he's he's kind of like just such a unique personality and and player um, that a lot of these players, when they get in their thirties, they don't want to sign one-year contracts because they know that it's going to be like maybe their last opportunity to sign for like two or three years. Yeah. Um. So we'll we'll have to see how it goes, but. You know, I think yeah. personally, if I speak for us all, that we'd all love him to stick around from a sentimental point of view. But I would just like to avoid another situation where we, where, sh- where shit creeps up on us, basically. Mm. Um, 
Yeah. So anything more, John? I'll start with you. Anything more you want to add about the game tonight, or maybe just a roundup? Gakpo's yeah, goal. Just talk about the. Yeah, fucking hell. Yeah, of course. Gosh. Yeah, yeah the fourth goal was really good. Talk As we say, Trent. Uh, yeah, Trent just um, uh, providing a real assist. I guess uh, breaking the lines. Uh, he's obviously scored against City on uh, Saturday, and he's done really well tonight. Gakpo. Um, I mean, we've been a little bit critical of him this season, but he's been playing out of position, especially against Chelsea in the first game. But in that role tonight, where he's further forward, uh, his touch is really good, as you'd expect from uh, most Dutch players. I thought he linked up really well with uh, Gravenberg as well. Um, you know, there's some nice uh, interplay between them, and he took his goal really well, just controls it, cuts back inside, and the finish is really good. So, um, yeah, he's got another two tonight. Um, and he, he's uh, in a pretty good uh, um, uh, vein of form at the moment. He's uh, He's got six for us this season. And if he gets between 15 and 20 this season, uh, that's, uh, you know, uh, so those are the figures Bobby was probably producing when he was at our best for us. So mm-hmm. I'm really happy with uh, uh, his performance and yeah, really good goal to cap off a great night for him. Yeah, Dave? Yeah, I, I thought he said earlier, I thought he was our best player tonight. Really exciting performance from him. I want to see him build on it now because he's just, you can see the abilities there and we've seen in flashes how good he can be. And then there's other games where he just doesn't really do much and it's like it's a bit frustrating. But I want to see him like really kick on because when he's, when he's at his best and he's doing the things he's good at, he looks a special player. One thing as well, when I said, um, we were talking a while back about who the best finisher is and I think we all agreed Jota's probably the best finisher out of all the forwards but I did say I think Gakpo might be we've just not seen enough at this point but he does yeah. look like he's a good finisher and yeah that the, the way he put that one away at the end there really really impressive mm-hmm. um, yeah excellent performance and he's given Klopp a decision to make for the weekend Definitely. Yeah. I think he's one of the, one of the reasons I would lean towards playing him at the weekends is because he looks like a little bit of a rhythm player. Like he looks like yeah. if you give him yeah. ten games, he will he will build on he will build on it, like you said. So I would definitely lean towards starting him at the weekend. Whether that means he starts on the left, whether that means he starts in the middle and you've got Diaz on the left, you bring a Darwin on. Whatever combination you want, I think you give you know you keep feeding the hot hand, right? And he's he's scoring goals, and when he gets the opportunities and he's playing well, so I'd be in, I'd be inclined to start him on on Saturday, even though I'm really looking forward to seeing Darwin. You could play um, you could play Gakpo in the middle and and Darwin left, and just keep moving them around and just have it mm-hmm. like fluid. So I, I do think they could they could work well together. Uh, so yeah, be interesting to see what happens. It's a good problem to have anyway, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Sure is. Uh, Chris, can I just mention, I don't think we've really uh, mentioned him uh, that much in the pod, uh, but I thought uh, Harvey was really good tonight again. He's, yeah. he's just yeah. uh, so enthusiastic. Uh, he's everywhere, gets involved so much, and uh, he's been really good for us this season. Um, he's um, played uh, 18 out of our 20 games, and he's becoming a really important player, whether... Uh, starting in these European games or coming off the bench in the league. He's changed games when he's come on this season, notably against uh, Newcastle. He did really well. And I uh, just think his intu- enthusiasm is really, mm-hmm. um, really great. And uh, uh, he's he's becoming a, a kind of a mainstay in Klopp's uh, thinking in, in, in the midfield. I don't think he starts if ever. 
everybody's fit, but uh, he definitely plays uh, most games, so he is great tonight as well. Yeah, I think um, I completely echo that 100%. I think throughout this Europa League campaign so far, if you could, if you could pinpoint one player who, not to delve too deep into the Americanisms, but if you could pick one player who's probably been our most consistent, valuable performer, the MVP, I'd probably say it's him. Like he's been really effective in every game. And he's, I feel like he's really starting to boss some of these games now, like when he gets the opportunity, especially against like the lesser opposi- opposition where you want him to step up. He, like he plays as if he has more experience than he actually has. So I've, I've been delighted with him. And he, I thought, like I say, like you say, it was great tonight, I thought. Yeah, I thought he played really well tonight. The, the only thing that's really lacking Sometimes just around the box, you just want it to be a little bit more clinical shooting opportunities. It maybe takes a touch too many, uh, but that'll come. And I do think he's doing really well. And I think he's kicked on quite a bit this season, even though he's not a regular starter. He, he knows the role that he's got. He's embraced it. Mm-hmm. And, and I do think he's improving all the time. Yeah, good stuff. Um, okay, uh, so presuming we have nothing else to touch upon tonight, let's look ahead to the weekend. We have Fulham at Anfield, another 2 p.m. Sunday kickoff. Uh, this is the most I've been excited for a Sunday kickoff all season because I actually get to go <laughs> for the first time this year. Actually, it's just worked out that I haven't been able to get home, and I blame my fucking sister actually because she got <laughs> married in July, so it didn't really make sense for me to come like in April or May like she? I normally would. I know, fucking. You were the same the year before. You got married in June and or July too, so that's two years in a row. Yeah, sorry, man. By people getting married. So selfish. Fucking joke. I know. <laughs> my sister was about to get married she was going to get married in September and I was like oh yeah bang on board with that that's the perfect time to come like you catch the end of the English summertime and the lights are still night the, 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 sorry the nights are still light outside so I'm sat off in my mum's garden and no she changed it to July so that's why I missed um, the, the complete second half of last season not like I missed that much either it wasn't like a, a huge chore for me to not be able to be back for that but yeah delighted to be back uh, and get a first look at this new team get a first look at Sobersly and McAllister and uh, Gravenberch hopefully as well and yeah really really looking forward to this one and expecting a, a decent win on Sunday Dave don't forget Endo Endo's always overlooked. He's the forgotten man. (laughs) I'm sure he's sure he's listening. He'll be listening tomorrow, crying. I didn't mention him. No, um, you'd expect us to win because it's Anfield, and like we seem to win every game by like three or four goals, don't we? Um, Don't see any reason why that won't be the case the weekend because Fulham have not. They've not really looked good this season. They're missing like a cutting edge up front. Uh, they're a decent size, you know, they play nice football, well organised, but losing Mitrovic just kind of cut the balls off before the season mm-hmm. started. Uh, don't think they've recovered from that. Uh, they had a win the other night, which they can just. I mean, that's just purely down to the officials. Oh, um, God, it was scandalous. Bad, wasn't it? Oh, oh, my God. Wolves. It's like the answer times that Wolves have been shafted. And, like,. I totally get why Wolves fans are, you know, they're they're chanting like Premier League corrupt as fuck. And I, you know what? I totally get why why they feel like that. What I don't like is Everton trying to latch on to them, going, "Oh, well done, Wolves. You call it out about this fucking Premier League. <laughs> fuck off. Don't be comparing your situation with them. Wolves have done nothing to bring this upon themselves. They're just getting absolutely screwed by referees for whatever reason. 
and it's happening like every other week. It's ridiculous what's happened to them. Don't be comparing that with your situation, which is totally you brought it on yourselves. But Everton are just trying to like court like favour with all these other teams in the bottom half of the table, like thinking they should all stand together against the big bad Premier League. But like Wolves fans are saying Premier League corrupt as fuck, and I'm like I totally get why you're really pissed off about it. And what's happened to them this, this season's disgusting. Some of the decisions that have gone against them defy belief. So I get all that. What I don't get is what do they think the reasoning is yeah. why the Premier League would be favouring if don't get me wrong, the the first game of the season at Old Trafford, Wolves fans are gonna say, Oh look, it's like the big clubs getting the big decisions and all that. Okay. If that's the road that you want to go down, I totally see why you think that. And why you would feel that way after that decision. What are they thinking about Fulham? Why are the Premier League favouring Fulham over Wolves? What's this conspiracy about? Like, It's not that. It's just it's really bad luck. Last year it was Brighton getting all those decisions. This year it seems to be Wolves. And Gary O'Neill's handled this with so much like class what and a man restraint. He is, by the way. I, I really liked him anyway. But the the way he's handled all this, like you know what, you, you are like a much much bigger man than I am because I just oh, come on, that's that take yeah. much. That's hardly that, that, a good compliment. I, I've said before, I'm a, I'm a very small petty man. I, I want no illusions. But the way Gary O'Neill's all right, he's a bigger man than pretty much any other manager in the Premier League because I don't there think any go. anybody else could have handled it the way he's handled it. Um, so many decisions you look at and go, how is that possible? But I think last week might have been the worst that they've had to deal with. And the interesting thing is, the big problem there wasn't so much the ref on the pitch, because I always say this, you can you can make allowances for a referee on the pitch getting a penalty decision wrong. It happens so quick. It, the, the angle he's looking at it, players are diving <clears> and that, and it, it's so hard to know. Yeah, and they're the really good glance. at it as well. <laughs> More often than not, they are. And, and like the two decisions in that game, there's the, the Harry Wilson one, the ref didn't give a pen for that. And I think that's fair enough. You could give it, you could not give it. I don't think there's a, a right or wrong on that. It's like, you've just got to give what you see. So he doesn't give it. And then he gets told by VAR, no, no, you've got to go and look at that. In other words, it's a penalty. Go go and look at the screen and go and give the penalty. Refs hardly ever go against it when they're told to go and look. So he got involved there on that one. But he's not getting involved in like the absolute clearest penalty. It's not a penalty. There's, he wins the ball. He doesn't touch the player. He watches like so many replays of it. He can see that that's the wrong decision, and he doesn't send the ref to the screen. How do you explain that? I know it's Stuart Atwell, and he's arguably the worst of all of these referees. He's like widely acknowledged by like most most teams who have him. Oh, this fella, he's the worst out of all the refs. We've all got refs who we don't like, but. I think just in terms of not for being biased, just for being hopeless, I think Atwell might be like the worst. But I still don't know how you can make the decisions that he made the other night. So Wolves are obviously, because it's happened to them before so many times this season, that's like even worse than anything else they've had to deal with. So they're understandably just not rational about it. They're like totally losing the plot about it. And I get it, you know, I'd be the same. But Stuart Atwell's the fucking ref on Sunday. And like, so he's favouring Fulham in that game. He's he's like done everything he could for Fulham. And now we've got him against Fulham. So I'm like, uh oh, what's he going to do? Doubt everything. Yeah, it's like, well, what's he going to do here? But uh, no, I, I don't think like any it's anything to do with like being biased or anything like that. 
I can't explain how he came to the, the, the decisions that he came to the other night. And Wolves, I mean, they're probably seven or eight points worse off than they should be. Yeah. And, the and, you know, you'd expect that that would have them in the bottom three. But shows how well they've been doing. But Fulham, to me, they just look like a neat and tidy team, but no real cutting edge. Not particularly good at the back either. And it's a game, <clears throat> it's a game we should be winning. The, the usual, really. You'd expect by like at least three. Yeah. I mean, I guess it shows, just to stay on Wolves for one second to make it at least slightly relevant to Liverpool, is that like it just goes to show how good our win there was a couple of months ago when we, we came back from a goal down yeah. in that shocking first yeah. half performance and turned it around and played really, really well. Um, and I know we've we've kind of like talked about the, the tough fixtures we've had, but considering how well Wolves have been playing and how they've given everybody a game, we shouldn't yeah. also overlook the fact that we went there and won and they played really well on that day. So, you know, kudos to us for that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, but that's the thing with the refs though, isn't it? Like I look, at, I sometimes look on the forum and I'll see like the, the, the build up to the match thread and, and they'll announce who the referees are and whoever it is like, oh man, it's, it's Tierney and Atwell on VAR. We're absolutely fucked this weekend. But it's like it's insert every name here. Yeah. It's every it's week. Every so week. like you, you, you kind of, you stop kind of noticing who it is because you just assume that they all suck. Like it doesn't bother me who's Except necessarily my boy appointed. <laughs> you fucking Come on. Um, the first ref ever to get my boy status. <laughs> hey, I'll tell you what we need to talk about. We need to talk about your boy, Lewis Dunk. Uh, <laughs> what, did, what did you call him? Because of the Richard Dunk. Was, Richard Dunk. I went with a lad called Richard yeah. Dunk, yeah. Yeah, but uh, what he did last week, that was amazing. What, what did he do? <laughs> did you not what see did that? No? He got sent off. Like uh, Anthony Taylor gave a penalty to... Uh, he gave a penalty to Brighton, which was like a ridiculous penalty. He shouldn't have given it. And then to make up for it, he didn't give this one, but VAR said to him, like, I'll oh, go and take a look. And it was never a penalty in a million years. But it was a make-up call because he'd given a, a bad one at one end. He gave Forrest a penalty for absolutely nothing. So Lewis Dunk was like arguing about, like, he's the captain, so he's the one who's entitled to go and say stuff to the ref. So he goes and he, he says something about whatever the decision was. And Anthony Taylor looks at him and he pulls out a yellow card. And Lewis Dunk looks at him and goes, you fucking bell end. <laughs> and, then, and as soon as he said it, he turned away and he must have been thinking, oh shit. And Anthony Taylor takes like a second to, to take it in. He's just called me a bell in there. So then he, he goes after Lewis Dunk, and before like he even says any, Lewis Dunk turns around with his, his outstretched hand, wanting to shake his hand and put his hand on his shoulder and say, Oh, I'm sorry about that. And the red card was out straight away. So he got two yellows in like in the space of like five seconds, both for descent. But the second one was because he called him a fucking bell end. And as like Lewis Dunk then like walks off the pitch, he's just like a right smile, shakes his head, and then he's walking off. And one of the other Brighton players comes up to Anthony Taylor, he's like, What? What's that for? And you can see Anthony Taylor say, "You call me a fucking bellend." <laughs> and I'm like, "Oh, Lewis Dunk, that's my boy now. Lewis Dunk has, has got my boy status after that. That was just quality." Because you, like Taylor... can you send someone off for telling the truth? Because well, he is. Uh, he is. He is literally a bellend. Yeah, <laughs> Correct use of the word literally there. Literally. Um, but I, I feel like you know the the fact that he chose bellend as the insult counts against them counts against him there because if you if you properly pronounce the word bellend with intent it's the most it's one of the most sort of like identifiable insults and one of the most expressive insults with the big sort of like b 
that you can pronounce. <laughs> so like it would have come across clear as day on the on the pictures and stuff. So yeah, you need to watch you know, the video. It's, of it. it. it's dead funny because you, gonna, can, you can you clearly re- read his lips <laughs> what he says, and then you can read Anthony Taylor's lips when he's telling the other Brighton player. <laughs> it's just it's dead funny. Like nice. What do you reckon Brownie would have called him? Brownie would have called yeah, him a knobhead. Brownie, I know I've been like gushing in my praise of Brownie. Maybe because I'm excited to see him at the weekend, but I've been gushing in my praise of Brownie lately because I think he has the best pronunciation of knobhead of any person I've ever heard in my life. Like every time he's on, make sure he does it. If oh, I'm not I hosting. don't need to make yeah. sure. <laughs> It'll just flow naturally. It always yeah, does. fucking knobhead. It's fantastic. Uh, have we got anything to say, John, about this game on, on Sunday, Fulham? Uh, we should. Uh win uh we've played six in the league at home won six scored 17 conceded two and the big thing with us as always is the first goal if we if we get the first goal i fancy us to uh, get three or four uh if we concede it becomes more difficult because teams sit back but uh the way we're playing at the moment i fancy us to uh beat them pretty easily at the weekend and hopefully it'll set up uh, a good run we've uh, got a potential nine points out of nine in the oh, next three don't games. Do it. Yeah, <laughs> still you have to be just. Yeah, it's I know Luton, me but that does that and it it doesn't work yeah. out. Yeah, like I sent him well, a text during the Luton game, and I was like, "That's fucking you, that," because he tipped us for the title like three days before after we'd beaten somebody in Europe on the podcast. I know, that was that was ridiculous. Uh, I, I also behavior. said in the roundup before the Luton game, I was hammering Luton over the week before about how shit they are, and I said. You know, I don't normally do this. The week before we're playing a team, I normally say, I'm saying nothing about this team. And I said, I'm mm. saying this because if we don't beat Luton at the weekend, this is not my fault. This is completely on the players. <laughs> don't be blaming me for it because yeah. there's no excuse for it. It's not me jinxing anything. It's just them not performing. No, you, I mean, you have to fancy us to win at home anyway and then Sheffield United away. Palace could be tricky. It's... Again, which is another scandal. It's another twelve thirty kickoff oh, on Saturday. Oh, fuck. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they move. They've moved that from three on Saturday. Um, Coming off the back of a if, midweek game away at Sheffield United as well. Yeah, which was originally supposed to be on the Tuesday and was moved, I think, for Amazon uh, to the Wednesday. Um, you can't play Sunday, Tuesday, though, can you? So yeah, you know, yeah. So it, it does balance yeah. that way. But um, if we get nine out of nine in those. Uh, three games we go into the, our next league game is against United and then Arsenal so 15 uh, out of 15 I think it's fi- fuck it 15 out of 15 yeah and we could be if we get 15 out of 15 uh, the maths are pretty simple we'll be uh, top I think at Christmas because City have a couple of tricky ones uh, they're away to Villa and they have Spurs at home and Spurs always do well I think you mentioned this with Brownie at the weekend yeah. Dave Spurs always do pretty well at uh, City and uh, then Villa um, they're playing Villa away so we have a great chance of going into Christmas or the new year uh, if not at the top then definitely within a point or two and uh, you know all bets are off if we're in that position at the turn of the year so uh, I'm feeling really positive for the next uh, for the next uh, few weeks eight games in 23 days and we'll know uh, you know a lot more between um, now and the end of the month uh, as to uh, what the season uh, um, 
you know what, what the season is, is is going to to bring about for us. Uh, but I, I think uh, yeah, it will start definitely at the weekend with a with a good win, and uh, it'd be nice for Chris to to, to get back and. Uh, get to the ground and see uh, see us getting a few goals nice and i know like we often complain about the the schedule and stuff but eight games in 23 ga- eight games in 23 days it's exciting isn't it it's like exactly what you want like this yeah. time of year like the game's coming thick and fast and there's not that much of a turnaround and like you know two days later you're preparing for the next one and it's exciting and it's cool and it's a fun time of year so you know you embrace yeah. it as much as you bemoan the schedules of having to play wednesday in sheffield and saturday 12 30 in london so you know, bring it on and yeah. let's see where the chips fall come like New Year's Day. Eh? Yep. Definitely. And uh just uh obviously that's in three separate competitions. We we can kind of put the Europa League to the side now as we've said because it's a dead rubber and the rest of the games are in the league. But we've also got uh between the United and Arsenal games that uh West Ham uh, quarter final in the League Cup and we win that and we're just a couple of games away from Wembley. So, When's that one? Uh, ex- between which game? Uh, uh, between so we're playing United on the um, it's the Sunday the seventeenth week between United and, and Arsenal yeah and we're playing West Ham on the twentieth uh, the Wednesday and then Arsenal on the Saturday right okay so that's, that's going to be a, a big yeah. a big week for rotation as well does it go uh, strong against West Ham given that there's a you know a, a possible semi final um, uh, in the afternoon or do, does he just concentrate on um, the Arsenal game uh, at the weekend. I think we, uh, the, the following weekend go strong because you you've probably taken off like five of your main starters after like fifty five sixty minutes of the <laughs> game. So they, they should they should be fresh. Oh man, yeah, good stuff. All right, either of you guys got anything more to add before we wrap this one up? No, think think we're uh, no, think we're all good. Yeah, good stuff. All right, thanks, chaps. Um, yeah, another big win at Anfield for the boys tonight. A 4-0 win against Lask to secure top spot in the Europa League, getting a safe passage through to the group stages and a chance to rest some players for the final group game. Uh, thank you so much for listening. We'll be back on Sunday after the Fulham game, but until then, we'll catch you soon. The best word I can say, but uh, we'll describe this, was boom. <laughs> 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 Ooh, what was this? It was really good.